Well, we are going to uh, shift gears this morning. We finished up our study of the book of Esther last week, 15 weeks looking at the veiled providence of God, the invisible hand of God, made visible through the faith of his people, Mordecai and Esther. So that was last week. In three weeks, we're going to start a new study on the gospel of Mark. We're pretty excited about this gospel as we've been preparing for it. And uh, there's something in Mark that's just unique among the gospels, the way he describes followership of Jesus Christ. And there's a sense to it, which this is the real truth about what we're following and how we follow and what it looks like to, to know Jesus. And in some ways, I, I don't think it's going to be what you would expect. It's going to challenge us, I think, in some some new way. So that's where we're going for today and for the next two weeks. We're, we're going to take three Psalms. Michael Lloyd and I will take one each. And of course, Psalms, you know, are are songs that the Hebrew people sang as a part of their public worship together. So we're going to take three, one each week, and and we're going to reflect on psalms as a part of our corporate worship gathering together. And we've chosen the book of Psalms for this little window, kind of in between these two series, because the psalms Psalms are, are, are the place that kind of help us answer why church. They're very specific in in helping us to answer that question. Like, why do we do what we do? Why do we gather like this? What's the meaning of this? Why why do we do that? And the answer is simply that we do what the Israelite nation did. We gather to worship God, to, to declare who he is what he's done on our behalf and what he will do. So, so we gather to declare the greatness of our God and to recognize our great need for him. That's, that's why we gather and the Psalms help us to do that. The Psalm I picked for today is a prayer of David. And, and I picked this Psalm in particular because there was something in the book of Esther, our study there, in that story that really has just stayed with me. All the way back in chapter four of the book of Esther, and there's this climactic moment, but in the moment of this, this tense story that's building pace, Esther does something that's just easy for us to gloss over. And I noticed it as I was studying it, and it's just stayed with me. Here's the context. Uh, Mordecai finds out about Haman's plot to assassinate all the Jews, right? And he gets word to Esther. And Esther is, is stuck with this incredible reality. And, and Mordecai says to Esther, you know, may, maybe you're queen for such a time as this. And Esther gets word back to Mordecai and she says, well, you know, if I enter the king's court, if I go into his inner court, I will by law be killed. Even the queen cannot enter the king's court unless she's been invited. I'll be killed. And so she's left with this very tent tenuous decision, very difficult decision before her. And she sends word back to Mordecai and she says, do this, gather all the Jews in Susa, all the Jews in the capital city, gather them together and for three days fast and pray. And me and my maidens, we will do the same. And I think the reason that it stayed with me is because Esther, even in the urgency of the moment, even in the midst of a a decision that needs to be made, something needs to be done, that this is not good, even in the midst of that kind of urgency, she was actually willing to slow down. 
even when the fate of her people were at her fingertips, she pushes the pause button and she waits to act. And it led to a very convicting question for me. Do I have that same kind of commitment to prayer? Am I willing to stop in the midst of a difficult situation or a difficult decision, not just a moment to stop and pray, but to stop and spend a substantial amount of time in prayer? I'm pretty sure that's a a convicting question for all of us. Not sure that anyone walked in here today and you said, you know what? You know what I got down? Prayer life. That's what I got down. Other things are a little shaky. Prayer, I got. No, no, we don't. We don't think that way yet, yet we have circumstances that force us to make these difficult decisions. We face circumstances that create tension and pain. We have circumstances in our lives where we question what we really believe about God and whether or not we can trust in him. Circumstances, I would suggest, that require a substantial amount of prayer. And so today, in this service, this morning, it's going to be different. We're not going to do what we typically do. We're going to actually follow in the lead of the Hebrew nation of old, following the lead of King David's words of prayer. And, and I'm going to lead us today through a guided prayer from Psalm 86. That's what we're going to do today. And, and I might even say that, and you might go, oh man, I didn't come here to spend all that time in prayer. I, I, I honestly, if I were to walk into a service and I was, you know, excited about the service and some guy got up to teach, I might be a little disappointed. That's the truth. Like, oh gosh, prayer? Ugh, I'm not sure. You know, I could spend all that time. I, I want to invite you to stay with me today. I want to invite you to give your focused attention to these, what do we got? These 27 minutes we have left together. And give it your focused attention. And I want you to see what happens in the context of it. Because this is what I believe. I believe when we go to this level of intimacy with God, particularly when we go to this level of intimacy with God in the context of the congregation, context of the gathering of public worship, I believe that God does something in us that can't fully be explained. I believe that God gives us a calm, a peace, a rest, a trust that can only be found in this kind of personal relationship with him. So I'm going to invite you to go for it with me today and we'll see where we end up. Take out your Bible and turn to Psalm chapter 86. Psalm 86, I've broken this chapter down into four sections, this prayer down into four sections for us, verses one through seven David goes before the Lord and he just says, I need you. If I were to summarize it, he says, I need you. In verses 8 through 10, he said, I worship you. 11 through 13, I will follow you. 14 through 17, this I ask of you. I'm going to take it section by section and I'll guide us in prayer as we look at each section. Now, before we start, I want you to just take a moment, just a quiet moment, and, and I want you to think about some challenge that's facing you right now? What's challenging in your life right now? Maybe a decision in front of you, as I mentioned earlier. It may be um, something that you're fearful of or something that you deeply care about, a relationship that's hard, something that's a bit disruptive or unsettling in your life. 
a place that you need guidance. Take just a minute and, and think about something that's challenging in your life right now. Okay, in this prayer, it's obvious that David is facing a very difficult circumstance as well. Uh, a, a deeply hard, potentially very painful, even physically circumstance. There are a group of violent men, arrogant men who are after his life. He, he's afflicted. He's afraid. He's concerned, obviously. And this is his prayer in his current circumstance. He opens his prayer in this first section. He's driven to his knees by his need for God. Driven to his knees by his need for God. I said earlier that prayer can be difficult for us. It it can be hard for us, uncomfortable for us at at times. We have a bit of shame when we think about our own prayer life. And, And I would suggest that one of the reasons that prayer is hard for us is because we don't like as human beings to admit our need. Just, we just don't like it. We don't want to be needy. None of us do. We don't want to feel needy. We, we loathe that about ourselves. And so we work to present ourselves as, as not needy. We, we work to, to, to escape that actual neediness. We resist it in our own lives, trying to prove that we don't need something else or someone else or anything else. At all, this strikes at the cord of one of the arguments against Christianity in our world today, and that is that Christianity is a crutch, that it's a crutch for weak people, weak people who are needy that need something to lean on. You see, everything in the world and everything in our flesh just pushes against our neediness, and it doesn't change the fact that we are. We need for a lot of things. Things that are beyond our control. We need help in the day of trouble. We need comfort in the midst of grief and pain. We need hope when our outlook is bleak. We need strength to overcome. A strength that comes outside of ourselves. We we need God. Uh, President Abraham Lincoln uh, trusted Christ when he was under the the burden of the Civil War and the decisions that he had to make day in and day out. And later looking back, he he said this about that season. He said, I have been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I have nowhere else to go. It's obvious that David believes the same. There is only one place to go. And in this first section, David humbles himself and admits his need. And I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to invite us to do the same. Follow along with me, verse 1. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me. For I am afflicted and needy. Preserve my soul, for I am a godly man. O you, my God, save your servant who trusts in you. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you I cry all day long. Make glad the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer and give heed to the voice of my supplications. 
In the day of trouble, I shall call upon you for you will answer me. Let's pray. First, take a minute simply to acknowledge your need for God. Ask the Spirit of God to show you your need for Him more fully. Ask Him to show you the places where you try to hide your need for Him. Now I want you to pray for what you need. Not not in the specific sense of the challenge that you're facing in your life right now. We'll do that later. But in a more general sense, what what do you need from God? Listen to the verbs that David uses in this first section and, and let them guide you as you pray in this way. Incline your ear to me. Answer me. Oh God, preserve my soul, my life. Save your servant. Be gracious to me, O Lord. Make glad my soul, even in this. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Give heed to my voice. And again, answer me. Amen. In the second section, David turns to worship. He sees more clearly who he is and his need. And that in turn leads him to see more clearly who God is. You see, when we see ourselves clearly in our needs, then we are able then to see God more clearly in the ways he meets those needs. Make sense? To say I need to God is simply to recognize who he is. And worship is responding to all that God is with all that we are. Oh God, incline your ear to our words in our prayers of worship. Amen. David prays, I need you. I worship you. And in this third section, he says, I will follow you. I'm going to read these three verses and then I'll make a few comments about them before we pray together. Look at verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord. I walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I will give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with all my heart and will glorify your name forever. For your loving kindness toward me is great and you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. Here's what strikes me about this portion of David's prayer. We, we know this about David. We, we know that David's in a difficult situation, a desperate situation before his enemies. And before he has any knowledge about what God will do, before he has any sense of the outcome or God's answer to him, his desire, his devotion is to obey God regardless. He is desperate to be devoted to God in a way that's unconditional. And this is what I mean, in a way that that precedes 
any response from God about his current situation. I, I will follow you no matter what. He lives with a single-minded, divided, undivided, wholehearted fear of the Lord. It's powerful. And he knows the one thing that will keep him from it. The one thing that will keep all of us from it. And that is a distracted mind and a divided heart. And so he prays by faith and with confidence to that end. And he invites us to do the same. There's a collection of Puritan prayers that have been recorded in a book called The Valley of Vision. Some of you may know this book. It's a, it's a group of, of outstanding prayers uh, written uh, many years ago. And um, in this book, there's a prayer called uh, Longing for God. I've adapted it just slightly for our context for today, but it fits beautifully with David's prayer here that we might be a people who would follow after God no matter what. And I'm going to invite us in this portion of our prayer time, I'm going to invite us to stand and read this corporate prayer together. So would you join me in that? Come up here on the middle screen. There are several sections to it, so just stay in it. Let's make it our prayer. My dear Lord, I long for nothing but thyself, nothing but holiness, nothing but union with thy will. My soul longs for communion with thee. How precious it is to have a tender sense and clear apprehension of the mystery of godliness, of true holiness. What a blessing to be like thee, as much as it is possible for a creature to be like its creator. Lord, give me more of thy likeness. Enlarge my soul to contain fullness of holiness. Engage me to live more for thee. Help me to be less pleased with my spiritual experiences. And when I feel at ease after sweet communings, teach me it is far too little I know and do. Blessed Lord, let me climb up near to thee and love and long and plead deliverance for sin. For my heart is wandering and lifeless. And my soul mourns to think it should ever lose sight of its beloved. Wrap my life in divine love and keep me ever desiring thee. Always humble and resigned to thy will. More fixed on thyself that I may be more fitted to follow thee. Amen. You can take your seat. I need you, I worship you, I will follow you, and finally, this I ask of you. And this is where I want you to go back to the challenge that you were thinking of just a few moments ago. The challenge that's in your own life, whatever that is that you're up against right now. And as I go through this last section, and I'll do it verse by verse over these four verses, this last section of David's prayer in Psalm 86 where he speaks, he makes requests for his specific situation, his circumstances right now, I want you to pray for yours, okay? 
So would you bow with me? Oh God, arrogant men have risen up against me and a band of violent men have sought my life and they have not set you before them. Take a minute before God to just name what's true about your situation. What are you up against right now? How does it affect you? And then just acknowledge before the Lord your lack of control over it. Can't fix it. Can't make it go away. But you, O Lord, are God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness and truth. In the midst of David's pleading with God for his own resolve, David makes room in his heart for mercy, even for his enemy. Praying that God's love would come against the evil that resides in these men. Would you take a minute to pray that same way for whatever you're facing? That you might have a deeper acceptance for your circumstances or even for those who come against you. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Oh, grant your strength to your servant and save the son of your handmaid. Ask God for strength, his strength, a strength to face today and the days to come a strength that comes from outside yourself. Not for the power to control it, nor for the shortcut around it, but the strength to walk through it and come out different on the other side. Declare your trust in God to give you the strength you need. Lord, show me a sign for good that those who hate me may see it and be ashamed because you, O Lord, have helped me and comforted me. A sign for good is something that others would see and know that the Lord has helped you through. This is David's prayer for deliverance from his current circumstance. The desperate cry of his heart So let me invite you, as David did, to cut it loose here. Plead for the desire of your heart. Ask God to answer your prayer. And finally, ask him to give you peace. A deep knowing that he is in control and he can be trusted. The kind of peace that can only be found in this level of intimacy with him. Oh, Lord God, our God, we need you more than we know. We worship you because you are beyond compare. We will follow you by faith in obedience. And these things today we ask of you. Give ear, oh, Lord, to our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Go in peace, trusting in the goodness of our God.